This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 431 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and Horseware. Well, this week we have a couple of things going on on the show today. We are first joined by Daphne Wood, who is a fox hunter extraordinaire at the Live Oak Hunt here in Florida. We're going to talk a little fox hunting today. And then we head over to our listener interview of the week. Matt Heggy is with us from Maryland. And then Rhonda Crabtree, our legacy listener, joins us with a review of the Rambo Ionic Stable Sheet brought to you by Horselovers.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the Stable It's every week Bring you the news through hell or high water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, Helena, we are a week away from Radiothon. And I'm so excited. And I have the guests. We can announce the guests for our segment now. We have uh, coming to you, uh, uh, in, and I'm taking a look at the hours here. So actually, uh, Debbie posted earlier today about the Radiothon on Monty's page, and it crashed our website. So. Holy cow. <laughs> But we are excited that we are going to be leading into the e- evening hours this year. We're, we're at a little different hours, right? We're at the 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock Eastern uh, yes, hours. Sir. And Linda Tellington-Jones, as we talked about last week, is going to be leading the way as our first guest. But then Guy McLean is going to be joining us as our second guest. And everybody knows Guy. Everybody loves Guy. And uh, rumor has it that he might write a little poem for us, too. So Guy's going to come on and talk about the holidays in Australia, and uh, and he's always got something squishy up his sleeve. You know, he is a poet, so uh, that should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, we're going to be taking callers and giving away prizes and all kinds of stuff. So that is coming up on the 28th. It's too late now to get your... Uh, voicemails in that has closed however you can you can still be eligible to win now the over four thousand dollars in prizes and i keep adding new ones every day and in our segment we are giving away a pair of the smooth stride jeans worth 115 dollars and one of the linda tellington jones books as well um we're going to be giving that away in our hour you can win by calling in anytime that day and giving us a call and telling us about your fantasy ride a horse that you'd love to ride either from history or current and even if you don't get on the air, even if we never get to you, you'll be Jennifer will jot your name down on the list and we'll be doing drawings every hour. So definitely give us a call. We're going to have 10 phone lines open. I checked with the company that manages our phones for the live show and they're they're all set. 
They once you're going to love this technology, girl. They had a they have a radio station that uses their systems, and they once had uh, they had seven lines open and had sixty seven thousand busy signals in an hour. Wow, <laughs> we're not expecting that many, so you should be fine. Uh, I don't think we're going to come quite close to that. But, yeah, so we want you to call in that day, and then that'll also enter you in. We have some fantastic guests lined up all day long for you. We're starting the day with George Morris. We're also starting the day with what turns out to be one of Jamie's oldest friends from Atlanta, and that is Christian Bush, who is the superstar of Sugarland. So he's uh, kind of leading the day off for us. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then a bunch of names that you know uh, all day long, and you can find all of those by going to HolidayRadiothon.com. All the information on listening and calling in that day on the 28th is there. Uh, so that's it. I just wanted to give everybody a quick update on that. We're excited about the lineup that we have for you this year. And I heard something I was surprised at because you have a new husband, and I'm still getting used to that, by the way. Um <laughs> But you went riding together, and you were told me off the air that you guys went riding, and, and actually he cantered. Yeah, yeah. So Was it on uh, my old or did your horse <laughs> run away with him? Well, uh, my old horse, the old Appy, Dog Dog, uh, has been under the weather a little bit for a couple of months, at least over the summer. We had a drought here, and uh, the pickings were pretty slim, and his teeth are so worn down that he's really not able to grind up his hay the way he used to. So he gets a mash. Everything of his gets soaked. But um, we didn't really discover that he wasn't getting enough of that until the end of the summer. And he was kind of thin and looking a little bit like his age, which is probably over 30. Probably. He, he's definitely over 27. So we laid off of riding Dog Dog for a while until I could fatten him back up and find out really what, what his health, the state of his health was going to be like. So he's fat. <laughs> Again, he has a the full fuzzy. Of him up worked, obviously. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's he's bright and cheerful. Uh, we played with his diet a little bit, and he's back to his old self. And so I had Grace ride him uh, a couple of times last week, and um, I said, "Go ahead, Grace, and let's you know step on the gas pedal a little bit and see what he has." He's he's incredibly well trained, far better than Brody, who's just forever green but always sweet, you know. So dog dog. Um, he was wonderful. I said, yeah, do like a couple of strides here and there. You can have him trot, but if you want to see if he can canter, do maybe four or five strides and let him, you know, uh, do the downward transition, you know? So he was fine. She asked him to canter. He was great. In fact, she gets real brave. She asks him to canter and then she takes her hands off the reins. <laughs> she, <laughs> she likes to canter around with no hands. So, and he had no problem keeping up the canner, 10 strides, and that was enough for the day. So I thought, oh, good. Okay, he's he's happy and he can move. And that's about all he'll ever be asked to do. So fast forward a few days later, and Buck and I went for a nice long hack. And we went down toward the ocean, and we were going through some, some back roads, some dirt roads. And there's this one stretch that goes near a farm that's got this beautiful green, lush pasture grass, you know. And we were coming back up up the hill, and I said, to Buck, do you mind if Brody and I have a little trot? Honestly, my tushy was getting tired of being in the saddle and I needed to do something. I said, I'll meet you right up there at the top of the hill. It's about 100 yards up. He said, no problem. If Dog Dog wants to go, I'll let him trot a little bit, but, you know, we'll just play it by ear. 
So of course, Brody and I go up the hill and we're trotting, we're trotting, we're trotting, we're trotting. And the next thing I know, Buck and Dog Dog are right up behind us. And he said, we cantered, we cantered. (laughs) And he was like a 10 year old. He had this huge smile on his face. And honestly, Dog Dog had an even bigger smile on his face. They were just both in heaven. It was really sweet. And so most of you guys know that a lot of times for horses, it's easier for them to canter up a little hill than it is to trot, you know? Um, And there was no like, you know, dog wasn't worried about being left behind or anything like that. He doesn't really care. But um, he really just wanted to move his body a little bit. And Buck has a pretty good seat, despite the fact that his multiple sclerosis has affected his right foot. He has a drop foot, which means he has no control, no dorsiflexion over the foot. Um, oh, so, so it's pretty much, the, that's the thing that really goes in the stirrup and helps you out, right? Correct. Yeah. That's your, your seatbelt. He, <laughs> he right. can't, he can't push his, his right ankle down at all. And, and in fact, part of having multiple sclerosis is muscle spasticity. You know, your muscles sort of contract on their own. And, uh, sometimes that actually lifts his heel up in the stirrup and he has no control over it. So the best he can do is keep the leg from, uh, creating any confusing aids to his horse. And he's really good at that. Um, but he's got a, a pretty good seat. He's got beautiful hands. He's one of those, you know, natural riders and he just stays out of his horse's way. And so that's pretty much what happened. Dog picked up the trot and then he picked up the canner and Buck just sat there, not getting in his horse's way. That's cool. And, and you uh, were so proud, weren't you? I was like all <laughs> choked up. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was, it was great. So then a little further up the trail on the way home, uh, we did it again. And this time, you know, they were both ready and they both said, okay, let's do this. And they cantered for, you know, 10 strides and that was it. That's all they needed. Yay. I know. And, you know, for a man who, I mean, Buck was diagnosed uh, in his late 30s, I think, early 40s. Um, so a man who's lived for a long time with MS and who used to ride a lot and never thought that he would have a chance to, to ride again, let alone canter. This was a big deal. When I met him, Buck was walking with a cane. Yeah. I would see when I saw him last, he was, you know, he was still, uh, he was still having a little bit of a a rougher time. So it's actually gotten a little better. Uh, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's gotten a lot better. That married life agrees with him. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think so. Well, that's very cool. I'm so glad for him, and I'm glad for both of you squishy romantic newlyweds. We are squishy romantic. Well, we're, you know what? We're going to be squishy romantic forever. That's just who we are. I think so, too. I think so, too, and that's neat. That's neat to see, and, and I'm happy for both of you. Thank you. All right, let's, con- let's hop into the show. We have a lot going on today. Right after this word from horselovers.com, we have our first guest, Daphne Wood, is going to be joining us. She is the MFH at Live Oak Hunt here in Florida, and that's the master of foxhounds. And Denise has a question before we get to Daphne. Denise, our guest booker, and who has never fox hunted, says that she wants to know what's the difference between a huntsman and an MFH? Okay, so the MFH is the master of foxhounds, and um, that person's job is pretty much like the CEO of a company. He or she is the leader 
of the group of, um, of people, of riders or sub- subscribing members. So their job is to um, do all kinds of things from public relations and community outreach to making sure that the hounds are taken care of, depending on the makeup of a hunt. Sometimes the MFH will also serve as uh, kennelmen taking care of the hounds. They may also serve as the huntsmen. But um, in some of the larger hunts, and most of the larger hunts actually, the MFH will appoint or hire a professional huntsman. And the huntsman's job is to care for and work the hounds. They are the hound specialist. And um, they'll do everything from breeding to care to um, actually riding up front in the group. So the hounds obviously go first. They're hunting their whether it's a laid line and a drag hunt or they're hunting live quarry, the hounds go, the huntsman is responsible for following them. And, um, then the MFH usually rides right behind the huntsman in the front field. And I think that's it. All right. Very good. And let's get to Daphne in just a second, right? If this word from horselovers.com. Horselovers.com 50 Days of Christmas Countdown is starting. Every day from mid-November to the end of December, Horselovers.com is adding a new amazing deal of the day. You should sign up for their email list so that you are the first to know about the deals or visit Horselovers.com every day to see the amazing specials they are adding. In addition to that, for your shopping pleasure, Horselovers.com has special holiday flash sales. Two products at amazing prices for 24 hours and then it's gone. You should visit the site every day to see the new flash sale. Get there first because sometimes the quantities are limited. And of course, you can use the coupon code HRN for all orders over $49 for an additional discount only for listeners of the Horse Radio Network. That's coupon code HRN at checkout. Well, welcome to the Stable Scoop Show, Daphne. I'm so happy to have you. I am so honored to be asked to be here. Thank you very much. So I had never heard of Live Oak Hounds. Um, I had no idea where it was, but I knew that it was somewhere south of Rhode Island. <laughs> I, I hear that there. I hear that there are lands south of here. But um, tell us a little bit about uh, the type of hunt, how many members you have, and what your your general territory is. Well, my husband and I founded the Live Oak Hounds forty three years ago, and our uh, hunt territory is in North Florida and um, South Georgia. We mostly hunt whale shooting plantations, which means the land is very wild and um, a lot of it, in fact, is protected by conservation easements, I'm very proud to say. Um, And we don't have a huge membership. As a matter of fact, you say, how many members do we have? I'd say maybe maybe 70 members. But... uh, when we're actually hunting, there are not that many people that uh, go out with us. But yeah. my husband hunted the hounds for 31 seasons, and now we, we have a professional huntsman. But we just have the most fun up here. It's just absolutely uh, really entertaining. 
I bet with, with 70 members, I know when you have, you never get all of your subscribing members out on any given day, but I would imagine that gives you a lot of flexibility and uh, you can have a great time with a little smaller crowd out there. Well, a lot of our members are just members because they want to support the hunt, you know, and be kind of part of it. But your real hardcore hunting members is much smaller. Now, we might have, for opening meat, um, we might have 60 people out. But for a regular hunt, we might have as few as 10 and, you know, maybe 20. So um, it's a very egalitarian sport. I mean, we have... Uh, we have our field master is 77 years old, and he rides like the wind. Some people complain that he goes so fast, <laughs> and yet we have children that are, you know, as young as eight. So that's one of the real um, wonderful things about fox hunting. It's for um, all levels of riders. I mean, you do have to be able to canter, you know. But uh, if you can't canter, you really don't need to come fox hunting uh, with us. Yeah. But um, you can be any age and any type of horse that behaves in a crowd is, is welcome. And we have a wonderful time together. Glenn, what do you think? Are you going to try it? I, I kind of like I'm this thinking, this group for you. I'm thinking you could go along if you don't canter, but you'll be left behind very quickly. I'm thinking <laughs> that you'll be by yourself uh, very quickly. Now, what, I think what, it's time you learn to canter then, Glenn. <laughs> What's the terrain like? Well, I'm glad you said you'd be left behind because you'll laugh at this. Um, we all wear compasses because the land that we hunt is vast and it's lots of pine trees and you know you really can get lost out here so i actually have a garmin gps so i can you know find my way back if i'm if i'm out in you know the netherlands and camps that is beyond awesome (laughs) that is so fabulous that's not usually a complaint of a hunt is it (laughs) helena that that they have so much land they get lost That they well, have, I'll that tell they, you what, we, we are very, very blessed, and the reason we are blessed is because right after the Civil War, when the land was burned out, uh, it sold for literally as little as 75 cents an acre because it was useless. And so wealthy Northerners bought up hundreds of thousands of acres, and then they discovered quail hunting. And then Flagler put the railroad through to Palm Beach, and so the population moved south into, uh, you know, around the Palm Beach area and further south in Florida, which really saved us in a time warp. So you could come to this country that we hunt, and it looks exactly like it did in the late 1800s, literally. Oh, that's what so a cool. blessing. <laughs> what a blessing. You know, those time warps, it's, I, I live in a time warp, and I, I, I never even have to leave, you know, people say, don't you want to get off the farm and uh, out of little Compton? And I say, no, not, not really. It's kind of nice living in a throwback town with all this open space, but we don't have, I mean, we're in the Northeast, so we don't have a fraction of the kind of territory that you get to hunt through. So uh, is your, is your quarry Fox? Is that what you hunt? You know, it used to be, but now really with coyotes, I would say the the number one thing is coyote. And um, when we first started, they moved into here. Uh, we we had the hunt for decades, and we didn't have any coyotes. And then they just 
sort of came in at the same time that the armadillos did, to tell you the truth. And uh, we used to blow a whistle if it was going to be a coyote hunt because it's so much faster and you can't swing as wide. I mean, you've got to really, you know, gallop and, and follow on a good scenting day. But people that weren't used to the coyote hunting, they'd hear the whistle and some of them would pull out and go home because it was going to be, you <laughs> it know, was gonna be fast. a wild ride. But I, I say that, I promise you that now that the coyotes have lived here for, let's see, when did they first come into this area? Maybe in the 80s, I'm going to guess. Okay. Um, now, you know, they really do have territories. And so you don't just get on one that, um, that leaves like it's shot out of the space shuttle. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I prefer running foxes because it's real venery and, and real hound work. I mean, on a good scent with a coyote, it's just, um, it's just a wild, fun, exhilarating gallop. Um, but I love a good fox hunt. Coyote are more practical. You know, they're, they're all about, let me just get out of here and save my tush. And fox are a little bit more they'll they'll play with you before they decide to save themselves. <laughs> now the They're... other thing that has moved into our territory which we we've always had it but for some reason there's been an explosion of wild pigs. I knew and you I were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a real horror. Um they're such they're so damaging to the habitat. They eat ground nesting bird eggs and they're they root up crops they're really horrible and we never let our hounds run pigs until oh i'm going to say about 10 years ago and they became such a problem that um that we decided because the landowners want them gone um that we would let the hounds uh run wild hogs and it's it's really kind of scary because one time they bait up one that weighed 420 pounds. Holy cow. And it had the black, stiff hair. I mean, that's a very dangerous animal. So I wish we didn't have the the pigs. A, but, lot, of, a lot of people but, don't realize that the wild pigs here, well, we have a lot of them in the Cala National Forest because it's so big. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, I had never seen what they can do to somebody's yard until I saw it the one day. And yeah. it looked like a rototiller had come through the yard. It was just oh, yeah. totally dug up. And they are, in the state of Florida, it's open season 24 hours a day, 365 days a year on pigs. You're allowed to kill as many as often as you want because they're not native. And they really are destroying the habitat. And they so they have no like natural rabbits. predators? Something else. They, are <laughs> they, have, very, they have no natural predators? Uh, well, I think that coyotes probably eat the little pigs. Yeah. And some people claim that a bear might eat a pig, but whatever's eating them isn't eating enough because right. they're, they're just... And don't forget this. They can be very dangerous. I mean, if you're on foot and you don't have a big gun, you, you could be in serious trouble with a pig. Fortunately, the hounds, they will bay a big one up, and then somebody's got to have the nerve to walk in there with a, a big pistol, you know, to shoot it. But anyway, that's a that's an aside. We don't want to hang up on pigs. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's, but what? it's interesting, too, because it, it brings, it actually brings to light the point of that, um, 
there is a, there's a process for this, you know, and that there are these wild animals out there who are aggressive and dangerous and destructive. And that there is, in my opinion, um, or in, in the case of hunting with hounds is a humane way to dispose of these animals, yeah. corner them and, and shoot them quickly. You know, it's, um, I, I think that's actually a very practical use for fox hunting. You know, hunting. that brings up another point, which a lot of people don't think about. Because as you know, hunting has been beleaguered in uh, England. And actually, they passed a law that uh, that banned it. But the result has been anything but welfare of the fox. I mean, you know, if you're running a fox with hounds and they catch it, it is dead in an instant and i do mean an instant but now if they're snaring trapping and maybe the traps aren't checked that often and the animal's stuck in the trap or you're shooting them and you wound them and it goes off i mean it's very inhumane compared to trying to keep a population under control and reduced by hounds where they either get scot-free away or they're just killed in a nanosecond. Yeah. So I'm glad you led me into that. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting that I was the one to lead you into that because <clears throat> I'm not um, a hunter-hunter. I don't necessarily follow, I, I don't believe in um, killing things for recreation, for, for the sport of it. I don't, uh, I don't gen- judge anybody for doing it. I, I'm, I totally understand it. It's not something that I would choose to do, but I try to keep an open mind. And I certainly understand that, um, I understand its place, whether you, you're chasing a fox, whether your hounds kill a fox or a coyote or you corner it or whatever you do with wild pigs. I don't, I don't know, but, um, there's an understanding that there is a practical and very humane part of this sport. It, I mean, it's sport, but it really is, it serves a purpose, doesn't it? Totally. And this you don't know about me, but um, prior to being made the first Lady Master President of the Masters of Foxhound Association in its over 100-year history, I was asked to write the Code of Hunting Practices to be the chair of the committee to write the ethics of hunting. And this just gives me an example to tell you that one of the things that is in that code of practices is let's say you're running a bobcat um, and it goes up a tree or a gray fox and it goes up a tree or it goes into an earth, you know, into a natural earth. You are to leave it there. You're not to shake it out. You're not to climb the tree and make it jump out. You're not to send terriers down the hole and bolt it. Right. Um, the only time that you can resume the hunt is if it goes into like a man-made structure. Um, And one time we had a coyote that ran into a pig sty where there was a sow and some piglets that belonged to this nice uh, black man that lives down the road from us. And he said, for goodness sakes, for goodness sakes, kill that coyote. Well, (laughs) a pig sty is a man-made structure. Had it been a natural earth, we would have had to tell that man, I'm very, very sorry, but, you know, by our rules, of our association, our ethics and morality of hunting, we have to leave him. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, if you hunted a lot, you would realize that the game has such an advantage. I mean, it's so seldom, really, that they catch something. 
and and when they do, it's very often you know something that's old or maybe has mange or you know um, yeah. It's a very humane sport. Most of the truly. time, the foxes are just going, nah, 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 nah. That's pretty much what they're doing most of the time. Uh, well, I can tell you that I'm one of those lumbering idiots in the saddle. Yeah. So if there's a group of lumbering idiots out there, yeah. the fox is always going to hey, win. Hey, before we run out of time, I want to switch gears here a little bit. So what do you hunt with? What, what type of horse do you have? Now, you know I'm so glad you asked that. I actually have got... I had to go look this up last night because I knew you would ask. I have um, 29 horses. Oh, my gosh. Of my 29 horses, four of them are young ones that will be broken, you know, and brought on for fox hunting. Sixteen of them are retired racehorses. Um, And I used to always ride thoroughbreds. But I'm now 70 years old, and I've just got to say I need to – drive my Volvo instead of the Ferrari, (laughs) but my personal favorite um, at the moment is, you know, part thoroughbred and part either quarter horse or Hanoverian Holsteiner. Irish draft, I actually actually have a half Irish draft mare that I've got in fold to a winner of the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and I'm trying to breed a field hunter stallion because nobody's breeding for field hunting. They're all breeding to go to the Olympics. So the thoroughbred is the best hunting horse that you can have, but there are a lot of riders that really can't ride a thoroughbred. Um, And so we have a little bit of everything. Quarter horses are good, appendix quarter horses. Uh, But far and away, the thoroughbred or Irish draft cross, I mean, Hundreds of thousands of horses have been bred in Ireland and sent to England to hunt, and the, and they're half, three quarter, or seven eighths uh, thoroughbred crossed on Irish draft. Mm. So there's uh, so there's a lot of open, uh, flat or rolling space. Would you say in your territory? Um, it's a little bit rolling, but it's mostly. <coughs> excuse me. It's mostly. It's not very hilly. Yeah. But the main thing you need is you need a horse that is clever with his legs. Yeah. Because you do have stump holes. You do have armadillo holes. And my attitude is any good horse ought to be able to stick one front leg in a hole and the other one ought to pull him right back out of it. You know, you need yeah. a horse that's catty on his feet. Yep. Um, you know? I, I got it. We have sort of trappy, unpredictable footing up here. So a handy horse is, is really important. I like to let my horse make his decision about where to, where to put his feet. And most of the time his decisions are way better than mine could ever be. So, although I'm one of those people who couldn't ride a thoroughbred, that's, that's just too much speed for me, you know? So I like the heavier horses who are heavy and handy. Right. I I get it. That's good. Yes, ma'am. Well, where can people find out more about the live, live Oak Hounds? Well, we actually don't have a website, um, but anyone that is interested um, could just give us a call. Um, We're very welcoming. We have a wonderful group of people that hunt with us. And one of the things that I love about fox hunting is that it's not a competition. I promise you that every single person in our field cares about the other people that are out there. They want them to uh, hunt safely, 
have a good time. It's a real family and a fellowship. And that's one of the things that is just the best about it. Um, and all horses love to hunt. I promise you, they all love to hunt. Some of them just love it so much that you can't ride them. Uh, but it's, it really is group therapy for horses. I mean, think of it. It's true. They were born for uh, bred for millions of years to get in a herd and you know run away from whatever was after them. So they love to get in a group and and gallop around. The other thing I want to say about hunting is the worst a hunt ever is is a trail ride through absolutely beautiful country with delightful people watching wonderful hounds slash dogs work and do their job. And that's as bad as it gets. I mean, I've done a lot of different sports, but fox hunting is without doubt my favorite. I just am addicted. This winter grooming tip is brought to you by Horsewear Blankets. Joining us are two of the top grooms in the country of Enter Philip Dutton's groom, Emma Ford, and Cat Hill from World Class Grooming. Our Horsewear Winter Grooming Tip of the Week, we have Emma with us who's going to talk a little bit about keeping your blankets clean throughout the winter season. First of all, Emma... You're supposed to do that? Keep your blankets clean? I thought you just <laughs> let them get all gross and then washed them at the end of the year. Well, I mean, if you like crusty blankets by, by January, then you, you're, that's down to you. But we like to uh, <laughs> not, not be holding our noses every time we uh, put a blanket on a horse come January, February. So <laughs> hopefully these couple of tips will help those guys. But, so obviously, depending on where you are in the country, you know, for a lot of us, we're, our horses are in blankets the end of September and end up staying in blankets through to the beginning of April, end of April, depending on the weather. Any overwashing of any blanket is, you know, not a good thing unless it's just a cotton sheet because um, you can uh, destroy the fill. Also, if you overwash the outside of a turnout, you know, it actually... Um, takes away the effectiveness of the waterproof layering so even every day if you can before you take the blanket off the horses give us take a good stiff hard brush and not the worst of you know the shavings or straw and also um, obviously if they come in from outside then you're going to knock the worst of the mud off should you come in with that sodden horse that's uh, got a nice bit of mud all over its blanket then we actually just hose it down and, uh, you know, no, don't use any detergent. We just hose it down and let it dry naturally outside. As for the underside, um, the actual easiest way to keep your blankets nice and fresh would be to have some sort of underwear. Um, we like to use, like, very breathable cotton sheets. The Amigo Stable Sheet that also has a neck is easy to put on, fits really well, and they're a nice uh, product that you can, ha you know, have two of and just switch them in and out as you wash them. And then the other thing you can do is use an ammonia, ammonia neutralizing agent, such as one part vinegar to three parts water. And you can spray this on the areas of the blanket that um, is particularly have manure stains, pea stains on. And this helps to um, get rid of that uh, nasty pea smell. Makes them smell like a salad, but uh, the pea smell's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Salad over pee. <laughs> so, uh, we're, I, so the recommendation there would be the Amigo staple sheet uh, underneath to help keep that, which is easily washable, which is a, which is a exactly. good suggestion. Yeah, great. Well, Emma, I know you guys have a terrific website. Where can I find that? Um, you can find us at worldclassgrooming.com, which is also our Instagram, Gmail account. So come and find us and look for our book on any equestrian website, World Class Grooming for the Competition Horse. This tip was brought to you by Horseware. Have you ever wanted to own your own Rambo? Well, here's your chance. From October 3rd to November 23rd, receive $50 off any Rambo turnout blanket, including the Rambo Duo, the Optimo, the Original, the Supreme, and all the others in the Rambo turnout line. All you have to do is trade in your old turnout from any brand for a horse in need. Simply visit horseware.com slash trade for more information and fill out the form for the voucher you will need to get your $50 off. The complete list of retailers is at horseware.com slash trade as well. Open to U.S. and Canadian residents only. Go to horseware.com slash trade today and replace that blanket with all the holes for one of the best blankets on the market, the Rambo Turnout. Outline. Well, next week is the holiday. It is Thanksgiving, which means that it is our week to do our special gift buyer's guide with Equestrian Collections. Chris at Equestrian Collections will be joining us again next week, like we have done every year, I think, since we started, right? I mean... Yeah. It has yep. to be eight years doing this. Um, yeah. So next week, we'll be giving you a whole bunch of gift ideas. And, and thanks to Chris uh, joining us. So that's coming up our special episode next week. And that'll come out on, uh, actually, that's going to come out on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So it'll be there in time for Black Friday. Woohoo! So we're looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I think that the country hasn't, because of the election and how depressing it was and how infighting it was and how unhappy everybody was, um, it, didn't, it, it seems like it's taken people longer to get in the holiday spirit. But I'm trying. I'm single-handedly trying here, people. Yes, I know you are. <laughs> I am giving it my best shot. I'm trying. All right. Let's head off to our listener of the week. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, our Listener of the Week this week is Matt. He is with us. How do you say your last name, Matt? Hagee. Hagee. And you're from Maryland, right? Yes, near Baltimore. Oh, cool. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. And I am so excited to have another guy on the show. (laughs) <laughs> There's not many of us, but we're finding a few this year to interview. Now, there aren't many, but we're building up. We're mighty, Matt. We're the smart mighty. ones are getting involved. That's they right. realize that's where all the women are. <laughs> that's right. Now, Matt, were you the horse guy, or was she, or how'd that work out? I started out getting my horse first, and then she got hers shortly after. I grew up around them here and there, but didn't really get back into until last year. And are you married? I am not. I've been with my lovely girlfriend for five years right now, though. Oh, that's close (laughs) enough. So So I'm reading the notes, and it says that that neither of you were really, well, she wasn't very horsey until you guys met. And 
you got a weanling and she got a one month old colt. What was that like? A new relationship and new horses or how did that all happen? We had been together for a couple years and I wanted to get a horse after seeing my stepfather riding his a lot and how much he enjoyed it and how much I missed being around him. So I went up to a friend's farm, saw one. I said, okay, I like that one. Just bought it. Never been handled. It was eight months old. Hers, she saw him, fell in love, said, if you sell him, I'll buy him. They said, okay. Why'd you go with babies? So she jumped right in. Why babies and not uh, like uh, horses that you could hop on right away? I wanted to build the bond with it from minute one to have that good, strong relationship. So I knew I could trust the horse. The horse knew it could trust me. And am I seeing here Arabian Appaloosa Cross? Yes. That's an interesting Both combination. mothers of them, yes. They're, that's uh, a lot of opinionated energy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> they, they definitely have the attitude of the Arabians. Okay. Which, which, and the speed. And the speed. Yeah, I was wondering, are they, are they big-bodied? Not really. They're actually... The both mares are around fifteen two, and the others. I mean, the recent foal that we had, the vet actually said he's very long legged for an Arabian. Hmm. What is? Are you riding? I don't know how old they are currently. So, um, what's your oldest one at this point? My oldest one is the mare who just had the foal, and she is eleven, oh, and wow. okay. she hadn't been ridden in we're guessing at least four years and I was starting to get her back under saddle. And then we found out she was getting ready to drop a pole. Ah, okay. Oh, is that boy. a surprise by the way? Yeah. That, that put a damper in it. Yeah. <laughs> we bought a horse the one time that they didn't tell us was pregnant. We just thought it was fat and sure enough <laughs> had a baby. It's like, Oh, well that wasn't planned. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it happened with me. Yeah. <laughs> You know these uh-huh. fat mares. You can't really tell if you're if you're not. Well, what told. Ha- does like the stallion escape from somewhere? Like, how do you not know there's a stallion among your mares? So the person who owned the farm left one of his colts out. Who at this point now is almost two, and he didn't think about the fact it was going to start breeding at as little as six months old. Ah, and in one year that one got five mares pregnant holy busy, cow busy boy <laughs> <laughs> you say that Bears. with such glee glenn yeah, sounds like fun to me <laughs> so uh, so what'd you do with the baby yeah so mine the foal that we have now i'm keeping and i'm gonna raise him and then two of the foals were my parents they sold those and we had one that uh died two days after being born mm. so what's the goal with the yeah, horses you have, very early. you have now what is what is the goal that you have with these arabian appaloosa crosses the gray mare that i have i want to just use her for trail riding my yearling i want to train her for cowboy mounted shooting oh cool she's fast and i think it'd be fun that actually uh that combination would be good for that because speed counts so uh yeah, that would be good for that actually. Awesome. I, yeah, she she has the speed and if I need to, I could jump with her cuz she broke out of the pasture one time and 
I swung a lead rope behind her, and she cleared three foot of fence pretty easy. <laughs> mm. There you go. <laughs> so, would you are you would you say you're a fan of the Arabian Appaloosa cross? Now that you've had plenty of time to spend with with that cross, they, they definitely have their good points and their bad points. You have to like the Arabians before because you're gonna have to know how to deal with the attitude and the. If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to snort in your face. Right. But they're, both of mine are great. Well, probably because you, you're you great. You know, I always say that that our horses are a reflection of the environment that we create for them. So if if you're setting them up for all kinds of happy living and success, I think they're going to turn out to be pretty great. That, that's what I'm going for. Now, awesome. Uh, you're you're you and Be- uh, Beth, your girlfriend, are both auditors, right? Yes, I thought so. Well, thank you for that, by the way. And what do you do for a living? What What do you do to pay for these? I am an asset protection manager. Okay, cool. I work. It. I make sure to control losses and safety in an eighty million dollar business. Oh wow! So no responsibility then. It's an easy, cushy job. You just put your feet up and. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's only about eight hours straight paperwork, yeah. but eh, not bad. And you're a it volunteer firefighter, right? Podcast. I saw pictures yes. of you in your firefighting outfit. Yes, I've been doing that for sixteen years now. Oh wow, my brother is too. So thank you for doing that. You know, he, and he always has the stories. He 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 insists on telling us every time we call him. Uh, it's like I don't want to hear this one because it's not good. <laughs> Uh, there's been lots of good and bad. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And well, we really appreciate you doing it. It takes a special person to do that and, and get up in the middle of the night, uh, to, to handle that and then go to work the next day. So, uh, yeah. that takes a special kind of person. What do you, how did you find us? And being that you weren't, you know, you were, you were just getting back into horses. How did you find horse radio network and what shows do you listen to? I actually found you guys right after I got, my first horse and said i need to listen to a podcast and try and get more tips and get more information and got on itunes and just searched horse and once it popped up i downloaded and just started listening now i'm listening to horses in the morning stable scoop horse tip daily i get a little bit of everything in oh good well thank you for that we appreciate that and uh, we're, as you know, because you've heard uh, Stable Scoop this year, we are going to go into our speed round, our rapid fire questions, and ask you some questions. Are you ready, Helena? Yes, I am ready. All right. Okay, here we go, Matt. Simple stuff. Horse people got to eat. So I want to know what your favorite food is meatloaf. Okay, <laughs> that's a first. <laughs> And I just got hungry. I, I did too. I haven't, I haven't thought about meatloaf in years. Meatloaf <laughs> and hungry. mashed potatoes. Mmm, good. Exactly. Meatloaf. Do you make your own meatloaf, Matt? Or do you? is it like your mom's recipe that you love? I love my grandmother's recipe. She's from Tennessee. Mm. Okay. And they're experts in meatloaf in Tennessee. They're experts in all Southern cooking. There. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Best answer yet. So what kind of food do you absolutely hate? I hate Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Oh, good up. man. Good man. Okay. Okay. Green and healthy and kind of gross. Good man. Yep. Hate that good for you stuff. 
<laughs> exactly. It's not good. So in your, your horse life, uh, we all have pet peeves. We have equestrian pet peeves and we have equine pet peeves. Tell us one for each. What are your pet peeves? My biggest equestrian pet peeve are people who they don't do things the right way, but try and tell everybody how to do things the right way. They try and not set that kind of example. And with the horses themselves, the ones that are very pushy and in your face all the time. Mm. Yeah. Pushy horses. Dangerous, dangerous to your toes. My toes are always at risk when I'm around pushy horses. What's the most terrifying thing you've ever done? And would you do it again? It would be when I started my firefighter training, I had to climb a 100 foot ladder up to the top, clip the belt that I was wearing on and let go and lean back. And oh my God, I would definitely do it again. It's huh? scary, but it was fun. We did, uh, I, I, when I was in high school, we used to go caving. And one of the things we practiced was, was repelling. So I've kind of, I kind of had that experience and the first time is, is a trip. That's for sure. But the coolest thing was when we actually repelled down about a hundred feet into a, the cave was down this big tube and the hole was on the side of the, this tube. And the only way you get there was repel and then swing into it. That was one of the coolest things ever. So I know the feeling you had there. That sounds scary. It was fun. It was fun. Fortunately, there was a different exit. We didn't have to repel. We didn't have to climb back out, but uh, it, it was fun. I, I know that feeling. Okay. If you could have a superhero power, what superhero, superhero power would you choose? Say that five times fast. What would you pick as a superhero power? Definitely strength, because it could benefit so much in the horse world, getting the barn chores done so much faster, getting fence done way faster more time for the good stuff okay so the time saving superhero power of strength i like it now you have you have a, a bunch of horses if you could pick one horse one question what would you ask and of whom would you ask it i would ask my horse betty um I would ask her if I'm actually giving her all the care and love she could want because of her past of being neglected and abused. I want to make sure that she's getting what she really needs deep down. Something tells me her answer will be yes. <laughs> well, it was really great to get to know you, Matt. Thank you for joining us on Stable Scoop today. Thank you for having me. Up next, my favorite segment, it's Tack and Habit, sponsored by Horselovers.com. And we have a longtime friend, an auditor, an awesome horsewoman with us today, Rhonda Crabtree. And she's going to tell us all about the Rambo Ionic Stable Sheet. Welcome back to Stable Scoop, Rhonda. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me back. So this, of course, is my favorite segment because we get to try horse stuff and then talk about horse stuff. So... Tell me a little bit about this, this stable sheet. Do, do you need one? Do you love it? Do you hate it? 
start from the beginning. Okay. Well, this is a really nice Rambo quality stable sheet. Um, so in, I always use Amigo normally, so I'm used to the horseware. Um, the thing that I love about horseware is there are no leg straps. You're not getting that icky, you know, stuff on your hands yeah. undoing leg straps. So, so that's all I will use. So I was happy to get this Rambo one to try. Um, and of course it's got the quality of the Rambo, um, had it for, I guess a couple months now and it, it looks new, it's dirty now, but, um, it, uh, washes up nicely too. Um, now so this my is, only... well, I was just going to say before you go on, this is the ionic therapy technology sheet. This isn't just a regular sheet. Um, so yes. it, it was supposed to, and their description of that is that it's uh, highly, obviously highly wicking and all of that, but um, they, it it's uses better for their, their muscles. Yeah, their ionic technology, which is better for their muscles. It's, they, it's like their massage sheet. They, you know, they're having a constant massage. Yeah. So what it looks like is there's these little dots on the inside of the top of the sheet, and they're, um, they're just kind of a different kind of a material than the rest of the sheet. Um, so that's the main difference. That's how you can tell that it's the ionic, plus it's got the little ionic badge on the um, shoulder, which is nice. Um, so the biggest thing is there were no instructions that came with it. So ah. I read as much as I could on the internet, but by the time I get to the barn, I forget. And you look at the package and there was just nothing on it. So I thought that it was like the back on track where it reflects heat back to the horse. Excuse me. <laughs> but luckily at the Royal last Thursday night, I ran into the horseware rep for Canada. So I asked her all about it. And she said, it's not like back on track where it reflects heat. It just changes the ions in the horse's water in their body, okay. um, which increases blood flow. So because I had been trying to figure out how I was going to get this blanket onto my horse with the, um, you know, you can only put it on for two hours and, and stuff like that when I board. And she said, no, don't worry about that. Just put it on them. It won't hurt them. So I did that as soon as I got home on uh, Friday. So he's been wearing it for a few days straight now. What I had been doing before that was just putting it on for 20 minutes or half an hour while I packed him up, um, which still did make a difference um, because he is girthy and he's cold-backed. So um, I actually tried a couple times putting that on him and then taking it off, putting the saddle on and going out. And normally I walk him around for quite a while before I get on or he gets kind of a hump in his back. And I tried it without doing that and he was actually good. Didn't get the hump in his back. So, I mean, um, doesn't prove anything, but it certainly seems to work. Okay. Um, certainly didn't do any harm. So the other thing is it doesn't change the temperature of the horse. Because um, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be too hot to have this on. Right. And she said, no. That's always my doesn't. concern. And actually, yeah. And actually, when I got it home, it was 30 degrees that day, which is like 90. And I, I put it on him just to take a picture, which I sent you, Glenn. Um, just to, you know, make sure that I had a picture before it got dirty. And 
it, when I took it off, I was expecting him to be just sweating underneath, and he wasn't at all. Did not make him sweat. Um, so that was really nice. That's when I thought, oh, this is this is going to be good. So anyway, I had been putting it on him for a little bit, and now I've been putting it on him overnight for a few nights now. And it doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. And he has, he kicks. When I put blankets on him, he kind of kicks his opposite back leg just to express that he does not like blankets. Um, But when I have this one on him and I put the next layer of blankets on him, because he is clipped, he doesn't kick. He just stands there and lets me put the other blankets on him. Well, that says a lot, actually. Uh, Yeah. 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 So whether it's, I don't know, he, he just... He's happy all summer, and then as soon as you put blankets on him in the winter, he's all. Well, you know, it makes sense if you're going to use it. If you're going to layer, it makes sense, especially on a clipped horse. This this ionic blanket would or sheet would be advantageous because it's more in direct contact. You don't have all the hair in the way, right? You don't have all the uh, the coat mm-hmm. there. Um, so yeah. if if it is uh, increasing the levels of oxygen to the muscles and, and doing uh, what they say it does, then that makes more sense that it would be in more direct contact. And you know what? If you're looking at anecdotal evidence, which is what you have to do with products like this, if you're seeing anecdotally that it does something, then that's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you can really do because you can't ask them. She did have us put a little bit of it on when I was at the Royal and I met with the um, rep. She had me put some around my leg and some around my shoulders. And I don't know that it, I can't say that it did anything or it took away pain, but normally I'm the kind of person when I'm somewhere, I'm like, well, come on, let's go. What's the next thing? Where are we going next? And I sat there and I chatted and I didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> No, that's so, interesting. Uh, I, yeah. it, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I, I was just so, so happy to just be sitting there. Well, you know what? If so. somebody was putting something on me that was be giving me a uh, massage for 24 hours a day, I wouldn't complain either. So <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's, everything's an experiment too. You, um, you know, and sometimes I think with our horses, they, they don't like something, but if you keep trying to approach it from different angles, sometimes you can convince them to give it a try, you know, and then they realize it's not so bad. Well, Rhonda, thank you for doing this for us and for checking it out. So you would say that at this point, it seems to be working for your gelding. It seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to leave it on him and, and see how he is for the rest of the winter. All right, sounds good. And, of course, you can find all of the products uh, that Rambo has at horselovers.com. This is the Rambo Ionic Stable Sheet. Go to horselovers.com and just search for Rambo Ionic, and it'll bring up uh, the products there. And use the coupon code HRN at checkout. Anything over $49 gets you an additional discount. Thank you, Rhonda. You're welcome. Well, now I know you. The Newport is so beautiful. Newport, Rhode Island, and your show, you know, is all about Newport. Is so beautiful at Christmas. They they decorate the mansions and the town, and it's just it's kind of a Christmassy place because of the mansions and everything. So, are you doing anything special on that Newport show about the holidays? 
everything is special on that Newport show. (laughs) When we first started out, when we first started out, the show was about Newport, but things are quickly changing because we found that, well, Buck and I being the two gushiest, most romantic fools that I've ever met, the show's turning out to be more about love, life, and adventure. And it just happens to be set in Newport, Rhode Island, which is really, to me, one of the most romantic places on this planet. And so the holidays, Christmas time, oh my God, is it romantic. It's, we have, um, there's a, um, holiday ship lighting. So the Harbor gets lit up all the boats that are still in the Harbor light. They get decorated with these amazing lights. It's crazy. And then Santa comes in on a ship. It's crazy. It's Oh my gosh. I can't wait to go, <laughs> but we're going to do, so we'll feature that, um, Bowen's Wharf down there at the on the harbor, they have some pretty fun holiday things. The mansions get decorated, and we're going to do a little holiday shopping st- and style segment. We're having a style expert come on telling us how we can dress for the holiday season because there's all kinds of parties here. I bet, and it is so beautiful. We did go up there at Christmas one time and did the mansion tours. Uh, yeah. And just, I mean, it... it I didn't know it's, one house could have 27 Christmas trees. You know. Well, you're going to you're going to be excited about this because we just did an episode that features a hotel called the Vanderbilt Grace. Uh-huh. And I had no idea that this was actually one of the first quote unquote summer cottages um, mansions to me and you that were built in the area. And it was of course built by the Vanderbilts. And there's this really cool sort of dramatic history to it that has mistresses and revenge and oh, all that, that stuff. Is one of the episodes coming up? It's, we, it's, it was our last episode. Oh, actually. I got to re- listen to that then. The most recent cool. one. Yeah. I love that stuff. So, <laughs> so, um, but so the Vanderbilt Grace is, it's obviously one of the smaller mansions, but it was turned into a hotel and it is like, it's like you get to stay in one of the mansions. It's beautiful and cozy and romantic and buck and i are trying going to try and do dinner there next week because i would definitely have to say having toured the place one of the most romantic spots you could you could find in the northeast oh that's very cool that's very cool that's neat you know we got to go to the biltmore at uh, new year's eve one time it was snowing actually when we went up there to the uh, biltmore down in north carolina Nashville, and it was one of the most beautiful things because it was it was gently snowing when we got there, and the the big yard out in front. What do they call that? The gardens out in front of the uh, mansion were all white and hadn't been disturbed. They'd just been snowed on, and we ate dinner in the in the stables. And it was New Year's Eve, so we actually stayed and toured the house till midnight, and it was really really. Cool. <laughs> it's a neat place to go in the winter because it's super affordable and you don't have to deal with crowds. You have access to any, you know, pretty much everything. And the locals are so good because they're not stressed out by all well, the summer tourists, you know? Right. So like the chefs, the food is just a little bit better because there's not that stress and pressure and rush of the peak season. So you, you can just kind of take your time and, the service is extra special. The food is extra good. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan in the wintertime. And, of course, sure. it's all decorated. So oh, my that. God. Just, <laughs> you know, it's hard to beat New England for winter holiday charm. 
Very good. Very cool. Of course, you can find that at thatnewportshow.com. All of it will be over there, and you can subscribe to it on iTunes or any of your podcast players, thatnewportshow.com. And for details about today's show, go to stablescoop.com. You can uh, find us also on iOS or Android on the App Store. Just search for Horse Radio Network. This is the first year, too. You'll be able to listen live on our app. You weren't able to do that last year, but now there's a live button. So all 12 hours of the Radiothon, you'll be able to listen live. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you are connected to Wi-Fi when you do that and are not using Mm -hmm. your data plan. Um, it's <laughs> true. Just, just saying. This is true. Uh, that's yeah. a warning. Uh, and also, uh, we'll be back next week, as I said, with our Equestrian Collections gift buying guide, like we do every year, our annual edition. And we want to thank our sponsors, Horseware and Horselovers.com. That's it for this week, Helena. That was plenty. Boy, we sure pack it in. Thanks for following along, everybody. We will be back next week with more. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>